Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. My guests today are both from USANA Kids Eat, Michelle Benedict, who's the director, and Steve Cook, who is operations manager. Thanks for being here. Thanks Thank for, having you. Us. Thank you for having us. So I know that most people know what USANA is, but for those that just think it's an amphitheater, uh, Steve, maybe you can tell us what, what is USANA? So USANA is actually a, it's a worldwide health and nutrition company. So they go all over the world selling uh, vitamins and supplements and things like that. And how did Kids Eat get born out of that company? Yeah, so so we see a lot of need, right? Being a worldwide company, you see a lot of need out there in the world. And we know that there's families that can't even afford to eat, let alone buy our vitamins, of course. And so about 10 years, they created the USANA Foundation, which is the nonprofit arm of USANA. And they uh, do humanitarian work all over the world. And that's kind of the other part of our team. They, they're the global team. And they go around doing um, garden towers, which is kind of their primary primary project, and that's just helping people grow food in areas where they never would normally be mm. able to grow food. And what is a garden tower? It's, it's a vertical garden, and, okay. it, and it really grows in a tower, and the food grows out the sides and out the top. Um, you fill it full of soil, and you're able to plant, and they can reproduce year after year after year, and it helps the families you know, provide for themselves. Sometimes they can sell the food at the market. Um, and these towers, they grow in areas where you'd never be able to grow, you know, where it's just you can put them right on cement if you need to. Mm. So so that's kind of what's been going on. And then about three years ago, they said, you know, here we are. We're flying all over the world. We're feeding everybody else. But what about Utah? And, and amphitheater's cool, right? Where, yeah, very cool. <laughs> it's, it's fun, but it's not impactful in the way that we want to be impactful. Okay. And so um, they looked into the community, and there was a couple of us already running programs uh, feeding kids. And they just approached us and said, hey, this is what we want to do. Can we acquire you? And so they acquired both programs. We kind of rolled them together and created USANA Kids Eats. And um, it's kind of – it was funny. We opened our doors in December of 2019, which is, if you remember, about right. a month before the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's been kind of crazy just kind of rolling since then. And I love that instead of coming in and just saying, okay, we want to do this so we'll be a new entity – recognizing that there were already some people doing it and you could just kind of absorb those rather than becoming a competitor. Um, and, and so how did that process work? Uh, USANA, so USANA had actually partnered with the original Kids Eat Utah. Okay. They were kind of helping, donating, and kind of involved with them. And so they already kind of had a connection there. And then um, I just was introduced, actually, to them. And so um, what I was running was um, – kind of the long holiday break bags that kids would take home for fall break, spring break, you know, the two-week winter break. And the original, um, mine was the kids next door, and then the original Kids Eat was doing weekend bags. Oh, so okay. what we did was we combined the two of us and we rolled it all together. And so now we provide both. We do the weekend bags, which is our primary program. And then um, we also provide the holiday bags, which is actually coming up. It's it's the only do-it-yourself project that we offer for families out there in the community to pack bags at home on their own and deliver them to the schools. And let's introduce the two of you. I probably should have done that first. Steve, how did you come to USANA Kids Eat? What were you doing before that? Um, I actually retired out of the military. I did 20 years there and was looking for something that would give back to the community still when I was, once I retired. And I was lucky enough that Michelle brought me onto the program about just over a year ago. 
And it sounds like you came into the program by being one of those entities that got absorbed. Right. I was acquired. And, and I just want to interject that Steve has a really cool background um, working for the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did operations for the Air Force, but he also um, has been a PTA president. Um, his wife is a school teacher. And so what, one reason that I wanted to hire Steve is because he had such a unique perspective. You know, he'd worked with schools. He'd seen hunger. And so it was neat to take that and kind of roll it over into this. And it's been really, really valuable, actually. And if you're doing operations, that means you must be really good at logistics and planning things. Yes. I try. I try <laughs> very much. So I, that's why I love that part of it. Steve does a great, a great job. So, Michelle, what does hunger, children's hunger in Utah look like? If you can give us a snapshot of yeah, where yeah. we are. It's a little crazy. And, you know, you, you hope that when the pandemic is kind of done, that everyone's going to be okay. And it's not really like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one in seven kids are hungry in Utah. Um, this is the first year that everyone's had to apply for free and reduced lunch. You know, in the past, the last couple of years, there's been a, a government waiver. And so everybody got free lunch. And now the mm-hmm. families are having to apply. And we're seeing an increased need for sure. A lot of the schools that we serve are calling us and saying, hey, we're going to need more bags than what we originally thought. So we're going to need to increase our numbers. Um And, you know, you hear the stories, too. That's the thing about talking to the schools is we hear a lot of stories. We hear about um, these kids that are just really struggling and some of them that are just kind of bouncing from house to house, not really a permanent location. And at least they've got a bag of food that goes with Mm -hmm. them. Um, We're hearing about grandparents that are raising their grandchildren unexpectedly, you know, and and how do they do that on a fixed income when they're, Mm -hmm. you know, already retired. And we're hearing about families that really can't stay uh, in their residence. They they cannot afford the rent. They look all over, and then finally they end up having to move out of state because they simply cannot mm. afford to live here in Utah. So it varies, but there, there's a lot of it. And I would imagine that those families that are kind of on the, the edge financially got used to not having to pay for school lunch and no longer counted on budgeting that money, and so now they've got to pay for that again. I'm sure that's a, an issue. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a hard end. You know, we've seen about 20% of our schools have, have asked for increased bags, Um trying to reach these kids that they need this food. So it's definitely a balancing act trying to find the ones that really need it. But we have seen quite the increase. So, Michelle, how does it work exactly? If if I have some kids and I'm having a hard time paying for school lunch. Yeah, so um, we work through the schools and the local clubs, right? So what we'll do is we'll speak to the school and, and they'll say, okay, you know, we've got a lot of kids that are hungry. How can we get on your program? We actually spend a lengthy amount of time talking to these schools and going through an onboarding system where we really have them sit down and, and and figure out which kids are in that type of need because we're not just trying to cover everyone that's on free and reduced lunch. We're trying to cover the kids that are going home to empty cupboards. Right. And so I always talk to them and I say, okay, who keeps you up at night? Start with that. Mm. You know, Let's first think about which kids keep you up at night, which kids are you most worried about, and then think about, okay, who else? You know, And it helps them kind of actually I, – I make them make a list. I say, mm-hmm. I say, write down names. If I were to bring 50 bags to you today mm. – who would you give those to? And I don't need to know the names. And that's one of the things is we never need to know the names of the kids. We trust the schools. They're phenomenal. They know the kids. They know their situation. You know, they, they are the ones that really do know. And so that's why they're so good to partner with. Um, and we go through a process and they figure out, okay, this is actually how many kids we feel are hungry at home. And then um, we, you know, once they're on the program and we have to obtain funding in order for them to be on the program. And we actually do that through adoptive sponsors, which is kind of a neat program that we can talk about. Yeah. But uh, once they're on the program, we start delivering to them. Um, Steve runs all of that. And we just um, 
do all of our deliveries throughout the week. And on Fridays, the schools and the clubs pass those out to the kids. They do it pretty discreetly. Some kids are embarrassed oh, to take a bag. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, it's a big problem. Fantastic with doing it discreetly. There's so many different ways that they do it. They, you know, put put ba- bags into kids' backpacks as they're going through mm. the day, or they'll sneak them in during one of their breaks or something like that. Or some of the schools even take it to the kids' house. Um, oh. Any way that they can get this food to these kids. But the schools have been fantastic mm. with that. My wife's also an elementary school teacher, and so, yeah, they can be ninjas, the school teachers. <laughs> they can. We, we could not do this program without the schools being the, the people on the ground telling us who needs this food because they're really the ones that spend the most time with yeah. these kids, so they yeah. really do know. And what does a typical backpack or food bag look like? What's, what's in there when the kid gets home? So there's about 16 different items um, that make up about seven meals. So there's everything from a can of vegetables, uh, of meat, so something like ravioli, spaghetti, something like that. Um, there's uh, multiple USANA products in there, different bars and shakes and stuff like that to, to give them, make sure they got some good nutrition. And then there's things like ramen and macaroni and cheese because you got to balance things that are definitely healthy with things that kids will actually eat. Right, yeah. But overall, it's a, a mixture of things that – an elementary school student should be able to take home if they're home alone on the weekends and make it themselves. I'm guessing, and I don't know if you know this, but maybe the can of vegetables is the last item eaten on Sunday. Is that <laughs> it? Probably, it probably, <laughs> probably is, is. But <laughs> we want to make sure that if these kids really are hungry, right. that they do have some. And you do have to put some food in there that kids right, love like, <laughs> that may not be the absolute healthiest food for exactly. sure. There's a fine line for uh, sure between nutritious and stuff that they will. Right. (laughs) Uh, Michelle, how is it funded? And I know that you're one of those great nonprofits where if somebody donates a dollar, the whole dollar goes to the program. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, to back up a little bit, the way that USANA supports us is that they cover all of our administrative costs. And so that means they're paying for our building and our wages and all of that. So when someone does donate to us, 100% of that is able to go to mission critical items. And there's only a couple of them. It's the bags that the foods go into and the food hmm. and being able to distribute it. And, and that's it. So it's it's neat for us to be able to say that because that's rare, you yeah. know. Um, and then we really do rely on the community to fill the bags. You know, they USANA supports the business, but then it's really the community that that donates to fill the bags. And so, um, you know, it's it's all donations, but we do have an adoption program, and that's um, it's it's pretty neat. It's where we just pair up a donor with a school. You know, and they're able to select the school that they'd like to serve. They donate the amount um, that will cover that school for the whole year. And it creates a connection. It's kind of neat because they feel like they're serving specific kids. Um, we always introduce them to each other, and sometimes it can lead to some really bigger and neater um, <laughs> uh, relationships and things like that. But um, we have just found that it's it's a great way for the donor to feel like they're making an impact. Um, they can come in and they can pack the bags if they'd like to. They don't have to, but it's an option for them, and a lot of them do take that option. They bring in their corporate team or they bring mm. in their kids. Yeah, I think it's great for employees to see what the company's doing. Mm-hmm. Is that the USANA Kids Eat Center? Is that where that happens? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a kind of a humanitarian center. We've got a pack line. We've got a double pack line, actually. And so they can come in. And we have, we actually have volunteer groups coming in pretty regularly, you know, on a daily basis, packing those bags. And it's pretty efficient. So they can pack a lot in one in one hour. We have youth groups every Wednesday night coming through. And then, of course, you know, our adoptive sponsors love to serve if, if they choose that, too. And that center is pretty new is the impression I got from the website. So they opened it up in 2019. So right right as they, well. About three years ago. About three years ago. Okay. So 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 it's it's pretty new. So 
what kind of volunteer opportunities do you have? Uh, I would imagine that if you're adopting a school, that's a pretty big number, and so that's a company doing that typically. Yeah. But if yeah. you have individuals and, like you said, youth groups, mm-hmm. uh, if they want to volunteer, how do they go about doing that? Yeah. So our adoptive sponsors really can come from families, corporations, all of that. But as individuals, you can donate or you can volunteer, and we have – there's only three of us. <laughs> our our uh, our team is literally three, and so we use um, volunteers for everything. So we have volunteers that drive our trucks and do all of our deliveries and that go along as delivery assistants. We have volunteers that help us run our packing events because there's only three of us, and so we're spread kind of thin that way. We have volunteers that are coming in and packing bags. Um, there's a sign-up on our website, so people just create a volunteer account, you know, and then they're able to look and see what all the opportunities are and sign up for those. And it does take a little while to get into pack bags. It's pretty popular because it's a service only. It's, it doesn't include a donation. It's just a service only. You just, you know, come and pack. And so it's pretty popular with especially the youth groups. You know, it takes kind of a long time to get in for that. Um, but the smaller the group, the easier it is to get in, obviously. And um, well, how great that you've got a huge demand of people wanting to come in and help. That's great. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. It's wonderful for us. <laughs> it <is great. laughs> it's frustrating yeah. if you're a volunteer and you want to get in, you know, tomorrow and, yeah, yeah. and then you have to wait. But we just love our volunteers and we could never do it without them. We pack like 5,000 bags a month, pack wow. and distribute 5,000 wow. bags yeah. a month. So it, it takes, takes a, a lot, lot of, of manpower yeah. and serve 40 schools. So yeah. it's a lot of manpower to pack and deliver everything. And I should have mentioned the website, usanakidseat.org, usanakidseat.org. Do you accept food donations? We don't. Um, We accept monetary donations, and then we order the food, and then that way we can control what goes into the bags, and we know that they're getting all seven meals, and we know exactly what the nutritional content is. Um, The only time that we take food donations is um, during the Holiday Bag Project, and and that really is, um, we still give a list, right? So they, they Uh, download this list and it tells them what they're shopping for and then how to assemble the bag and then where to deliver it to. So even when they do donate food, it's, it's done in a way that we give them a list. And so we know what's going, yeah, we know what's going into the kids' hands. So that holiday bag is the one that they're going to take home for two weeks Mm -hmm. over the school break. So that's, that's got to be a substantial amount of of food. Yeah. It's bigger. They run about $25 each retail, um, depending on, you know, this is a donation too, that these families are doing when they sign up. It's a service and a donation. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, depending on if we we kind of figure if you're looking for bargains, it's going to be about 20 bucks. If you're not looking for bargains at all, you might spend up to 30 per bag, just depending. But it is a pantry bag. And so it's got a whole thing of cereal, a whole thing of peanut butter, a whole jug of applesauce. You know, these are large items. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you do that for the school breaks. What about summer break? Summer break is complicated. Yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> the big districts, break. yeah, the districts do a lot of their own feeding programs during the summer, and they have kind of stations set up where the kids can come and get their food, and they're not in a position to pass out our bags. It's it's mm. not a system where they pass out our bags. So we serve our schools during the school year. They're on a forty week program. We serve our clubs year round. So depending on what entity you know we're working through. Um, some of ours are year-round. Some of ours are school year. What are some of the clubs that you're involved with? Uh, we're in the Murray Boys and Girls Club. We're in Lead. Sorry. Um, we're in, oh, man. We're I'm in all the Boys and Girls Clubs <laughs> in the <laughs> Valley, in the except for, I think, Sugar House. Um, we cover Neighborhood House. We cover Vantage DDI Head Start program. 
um, Sandy Club, the Sandy Kids Club. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of community programs out there where the kids are at also. Um, and we actually just did a donation for um, a Native American program today. Um, it was just kind of a one-time thing, but they were having a big fair that kind of um, – so we have little things like that come mm-hmm. up too. But, but yeah, there's a lot of clubs that really are able to reach these kids too. So. And it sounds like you've figured out with your partner organizations how to cover all the different aspects. <laughs> if you don't cover it, somebody else does. Yeah. And I found really interviewing nonprofits and charities in Utah, there's such a collaborative feel um, the charities don't necessarily compete with each other. It's more like, how can we fit together yeah, and, yeah. and make, make this and make sense? Each other. For example, um, so I was speaking with Jeanette Bott over at Utah Food Bank, and we were talking about um, the fact that a lot of the schools they serve have 50% or higher poverty. Like that's that's kind of part of their program and, and how they qualify for that. And um, and then there's these schools that are, they're kind of called bubble schools and they're the ones that have mm-hmm. 35, 40, 45% poverty. They don't quite qualify for title one. They don't quite qualify for a lot of the programs out there, but they have pretty significant need. And so we have found that we've kind of slid into that niche. You know, mm-hmm. we've, we've got a lot of the bubble schools covered. Food bank has got a lot of the, um, higher level title one schools covered. And we just do, we kind of coordinate. There's a few programs out there mm-hmm. and we just kind of chat with each other and figure out who's doing what and uh, every program's a little different too on what it covers and right. what the food is. Yeah. What what kind of impact have you had and how do you measure that? Um, I mean, you've given us a few numbers. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, we cover trying to think. We cover about four thousand kids on the um, holiday bag project, and then the kids we cover about thirteen hundred okay, kids yeah. on the weekend bag project, and these are kids that repeatedly get bags every single right, weekend. Right. So. Um, that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea on our reach and, and the scope of that. And they are different schools. The, the ones that get the holiday bags are different than the ones that are on our weekend program. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So we're covering different kids. Who are some of your biggest partners? Um, just a chance to, to kind of say thanks to some of your bigger partners. Oh, yeah. We've got amazing, <laughs> amazing corporate sponsors. We've got like the Fenton Foundation. They're We've wonderful. got um, Oakland Construction. We've got... Engage Contracting. Um, Sam's Club. First Utah Bank. There's always the danger of forgetting somebody. <laughs> I'm sure, but I, I know. Always, I'm like, I, know. Oh, I should have brought a list. I don't want to forget anybody. <laughs> but I always want to give nonprofits a chance to say thank you to those companies because I think people want to know, mm-hmm. okay, this company that I see every day is doing something good in the yeah. community, so maybe I'll give them my business. Right, right. Yep, there are some that are really fantastic out there, and especially they bring in their employees and kind of make a, a day of giving out of it, and it's kind of neat to see them involving their employees in that way. I saw on your website it says for $25 you can provide 20 meals. That How do you do that? Well, Magic? we order in bulk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get as many things from different places. Um, we've got multiple different streams that we pull our products from, but um, Smith's has actually been fantastic. They give us a small discount um, on our product, and mostly it's just shopping around, constantly looking at our numbers and, and seeing where we can get the best deals, trying to make sure that we can support the most amount of kids that we can with the budget that we do have yeah. and keep our, our prices pretty standard. Cause right now they're sitting at about $10 per bag per kid each week. So, which is, sounds very efficient to me. <laughs> well, what they get in the bag is pretty good, you yeah. know, for, for what the cost is and what they get, it is pretty good, but we always try to keep our cost as low as we can for our sponsors. Um, we've actually found, um, these really cool biodegradable bags <laughs> oh, that's cool. that we would really like to incorporate. Um, but it drives the cost up a bit, right? Uh, okay. They cost more and we're like, Oh, how can we figure out how to make that happen? 
So we're, you know, we're working on some funding ideas and, and things like that. But there's always that, you know, bottom line, trying to keep the bags at mm-hmm. a certain cost and making sure that we're getting the right food in there for the kids. What are some of the biggest myths surrounding hunger, childhood hunger? I was having dinner with my son the other day. He's in his 20s and kind of a smart aleck. And I said, you know, finish your dinner. There's hungry kids in Africa. And he said, Dad, there's hungry kids in Utah, <laughs> which I thought was a really interesting, yeah. like, of course there are. So what are some of the myths surrounding childhood hunger in a state like Utah? I think one of the biggest ones that I see is that in the most affluent areas that there's no hunger. Um, and sometimes we find that that's not the, that's not the case. Um, sometimes those kids get forgotten. Uh, they mm-hmm. get overlooked because there's not the resources out there for them there because they look, they're looked at as that area is affluent and mm-hmm. doesn't need the help. But there's really hunger everywhere. Um, just about every school, every club, every place, there's somebody there that needs help. And you talked about those bubble schools. So yeah. it, it could be a kid that gets lost there. Like yeah. 80% of the school, the families can afford to feed their kids. Well, that still means there's 20% that yeah. can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those kids can sometimes just fall through the cracks, you know. Um, one other myth that I think is important to bring up is sometimes people will say, don't you think you're just enabling these kids? Uh, yeah. You just give them a handout, you know? I mean, are you really doing them any favors by giving them a handout? And it always makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And the reason I think that is because these kids didn't pick their situation, you know? They they didn't choose this. And, and so I usually say, yeah, we are enabling them We're in a good way, right you know, and it's because really these kids are pretty cool. They're, they're tough and they have a lot of character and a lot of grit because of the circumstances mm-hmm. that they're living in. And they have a lot of stress that they deal with as part of that. And we all know, you know, hangry, what that is. We yeah. all know, you know, kind of what that's like. And imagine being hangry all the time and what kind of a disadvantage it would put you at. You know, and these kids are going to school hangry. They're taking tests and, and applying for college and doing these things um, kind of at a disadvantage. Yeah. And we just feel like they grow up to be pretty cool people. We have a lot of them come back to us and serve and say, I was one of those kids. Oh, nice. And so, you know, we see that they grow up with a lot of character and a lot of perspective. And we feel like just giving them kind of that extra support that they need helps them to achieve that. And, you know, when they get the bags, we hear all the time that they hug their teacher and it doesn't wear off. It's not like they hug them the first couple of times and then they're like, oh, there's my food bag. Um, but they actually appreciate it. They really see that someone out there is thinking about them and taking the time to pack a bag and get it to them. And so they feel the support. And, uh, yeah, we feel like this is this is the best way we can support them so that they can deal with whatever their stress is right. in their life. And the best thing is, too, is if you look at the, the people that are starting your nonprofits and running your nonprofits – a lot of them came from backgrounds that, you know, they needed a hand up at some point. Somebody helped them at some point, and so they understood the value of that handout, and then they went on to, to start these different pro- groups. So really we look at it as we're helping these kids now, but they're going to do tremendous things later. Mm-hmm. Where would you rather eat? Would you rather have a kid, you saw a kid's eat weekend bag or a mess hall in the military? <laughs> oh, weekend bag for sure. We have, we have mac and cheese. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where do you see USANA Kids Eat in five to ten years? What are your, your long-term goals? Oh, wow. We've got all kinds of goals. And really, part of it is because USANA is really connected all over the world. You know, you think about it. Our, our parent company is a global company. Right. Yeah. And so to be able to expand, we, we have some pretty easy avenues for that expansion. Um, one thing that we'd love to see, and, you know, we'll see what happens with this, is um, it would be great to incorporate the garden towers that we do globally on a local level. And oh, it would yeah. be great to incorporate the, the bags that we do locally on a global level. Right. So to kind of marry those, those approaches that we take 
Yeah, one of those garden towers at an elementary school would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we've done some here locally over at the neighborhood house. There's a bunch of garden towers that that came from uh, the USANA Foundation. So, uh, yeah, we're you know there's a lot of ways in which we can grow, and we will. And it's just a matter of figuring out timing and the best routes for that. So I know you don't have direct contact giving the food to the kids. I know the schools do that. But have you gotten some feedback through the schools of any specific situations that were either funny or or touching? Yeah, yeah. And and that's one of the neat things with working with the schools is they do pass those along. So last year on our holiday bag project, we um, added a hostess snack that people could put in when they created the bags. And it was a little controversial. People were like, should we really be giving these kids treats? You know, and and I kind of fought for it. And I was like, they should get treats as much as anybody, you know, let's just do it. So anyway, it it kind of went back and forth. We went ahead with it. We passed out the bags. And um, after passing out the bags, we heard from one of the teachers at the school. And he said, I have to tell you about this. He said, um, he said, I, I had a child come up to me um, with one little ding dong and, and give it to me as a gift. Oh. And and he said he says, I want you to have this. This is you're my favorite teacher. Oh, and wow. the teacher said, Oh, are you sure this is for you and your family? He knew what it was. Yeah. You know, he knew that this was for a hungry child. And the child was like, No, I really want you to have it. And he was like, I was just so touched. Oh yeah. That that this child turned around and used it as a gift. And we heard more and more reports like that, that these kids took those ding-dongs and they used them to give to each other as mm. Christmas gifts. They used them, you know, so neat that they turned around and just kind of paid it forward. And one um, one child yelled above all the other kids to his brother. He was like, hey, look, we have something to leave for Santa. Oh, nice. You know, and in the child's mind, that's a yeah. big deal. Yeah. If you don't have a treat to leave for Santa, are you going to get anything? You know, it's just the yeah. way that they think. Right. Uh, so it is kind of neat to see the way that they, you know, I don't it. think I could have a ding-dong in my possession for two weeks and not eat it. So that's impressive. <laughs> exactly. The kids it saved was, it. It was awesome to see that. It was the one thing that they had that they felt like yeah. it would have been so easy for them to eat it, for yeah. them to keep it all to themselves, and they really didn't. They, they took the one thing that they could and, and gave it away. That's fantastic. Michelle Benedict, who is director, and Steve Cook, operations manager, usanakidseat.org is the website. Thank you for what you're doing in our community. Thank you. Thank you for for having us. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com. 